the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Bria Kat, I'm 11 years old and I'm your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I will be interviewing Beauty, Gaston and Mrs. Potts. They will be acting in Beauty and the Beast live at the People's Theatre. Just stay tuned to 101.9 Hi FM for a very interesting show. Also, on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and a Kids riddle to challenge your brain. And you can win two tickets to see Beauty and the Beast show. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you just want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 round 50. You can send me a WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. And please, don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. I repeat, 010-140-3020. Get ready for a very exciting show on Khaki's you're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm 11 years old. Good afternoon, everyone. Good Hello, afternoon, darling. <laughs> so, first of all, what do you act as at the play? Who are you in the play? Well, I am Mrs. Potts um, and I am the maid for... Um, Beast in his castle, and I turned into a teapot. So you can't be the maid anymore if you're a teapot. Well, I try, I try. I bring everyone a spot of tea, and I give them some biscuits with that as well. That sounds delicious. <laughs> and I am Belle, and I just love to read. And oh, in my favorite book, it's about a girl that meets with a prince, and I'm lucky enough to find a prince of my own. And I am Gaston. I am the greatest hunter in this dull provincial town, as hmm. Belle puts it. <laughs> I absolutely love it here because all the people adore me in this little <sighs> province in France. And I am here to win Belle's heart hmm. in marriage. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a bit of a complicated story. And what is the play called? It is called Beauty and the Beast. And you beauty, Belle. And I am beauty, yes. My name is Belle, which also means beauty. Oh, in French. Yeah. Yes. I assume, because it's in France. <laughs> How would you all describe yourselves? Well, Mrs. Potts is, um, I think, nurturing. Uh, she's the mother of the house, and she tries to take care of everyone around there as well. Um, so I would say nurturing and loving and kind, um, and that would be Mrs. Potts. She sounds like a very nice person to be She's around. She's lovely. She's lovely. Well, I'm a bookworm. Me, Belle, I'm a bookworm and I am very intuitive and I just love people and I'm just always looking for friends and people to understand me as much as I try to understand them. And I'm a family person and yeah, I just love love. That's also who love I am. Books. And I love books. Books are my favorite. Me too. <laughs> My best friends. Uh, yes, of course. 
And Gaston, well, he sees no fault in himself. He doesn't see himself as anything less than charming and intelligent and funny. But I'm sure that the other people in town would see Gaston as being incredibly arrogant, as representing the patriarchal norms of the 17th and 18th century in Europe. Um, And Gaston represents a certain self-entitlement that comes with the power attributed to masculinity in those times. He definitely sounds like an evil character. Mm. (laughs) So now we know a few of the characters in the story, but can you give us an outline of the story? What happens in Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast is about a girl who is um, very hopeful and wants to just leave this dull provincial town and just like find something that is bigger out there. And... So she's followed by this guy called Gaston, who is beautiful and loved by the community because of his charms and his masculinity and his strength and, you know, his ability to hunt and, you know, and be resourceful. But and she ends up following her dad. She's looking for her dad, who is has been missing for a couple of days, only to find dad in her papa in the castle that belongs to the beast and she ends up finding this beast to be a very interesting kind and loving guy a prince whom she falls in love with and that is the story so why is beast a beast why isn't he human what happened? he is uh, what happened is he was turned into a beast because of his heart he is not a very nice person. And one day when a, a, um, an old looking woman comes to the castle asking for help, she turns him away because she's hideous, only to find out that she's a beautiful enchantress. And well, she is also a, med- a witch. An enchantress. Yes, an enchantress, which turns the whole castle into, well, the castle. And he's a beast. He turns into a beast. Yeah. There's that's how Mrs. Potts became a pot. Yes. Definitely. That's the one. There's a theme in the story that continues throughout, and that's don't judge a book by its cover, in that Gaston, while he appears to be very charming and very um, amicable to the rest of his peers, he turns out to be quite the opposite of that, and he's quite the evil schemer, whereas mm-hmm. Belle, who appears to be an odd, strange girl who's into her books and uh, who appreciates the finer things in life as opposed to the aristocratic lifestyle of France, turns out to be a, a wholesome and beautiful soul. The beast turns out to be nothing as beastly as he seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so that motif runs throughout the play. Do you think that all plays have such a good message and in it as don't judge a book by its cover? I think the longer we search, the more we would find these things. Um, specifically, if we're talking about Beauty and the Beast, there's a, more than just that theme. That's definitely the, the biggest subtext in Beauty and the Beast is don't ju- judge a book by its cover. But it has beautiful stories and beautiful mor- morals that it has in the story as well, such as, um, you know, where in in very like tough adversity, um, these objects who's in the castle, they actually still stick together. We still see humanity in that and how people would unify in a, di- in a difficult um, situation, still stand together. I think that's a beautiful message for us to learn as well, you know, how people would still stick together in difficult times. Um, we learn about Belle being so brave and independent. Um, and as a princess, that is also a beautiful attribute for us to learn mm-hmm. um, that she can actually stand her ground. She doesn't have to fall in with the crowd. Um, and just there's a beautiful message in just not being um, allowed 
just in not allowing anyone to bully you as well. I think um, that goes right throughout the production where you don't have to settle for bullying. Um, Belle doesn't settle to, she doesn't want to fall into the norm. Um, and she just rises up against all of that as well. Um, so there's definitely a lot of um, lessons that we can learn from Beauty and the Beast as well. Definitely sounds like there's a lot of good lessons to be Definitely, learned. yeah. Yep. And what did the objects in the castle deserve to be turned into from humans into house objects for? They weren't the ones who were being arrogant and all stingy and keeping everything for themselves. Mm. So what did they do? So, so they essentially also turned into objects, but I think... If you look at it, they're also learning this lesson with him. Um, they're there to help him out. Um, and unfortunately, they had to be turned into objects as well because the spell was cast over the whole castle. So everyone that was in the castle then turned into objects. So there's a cupboard, there's a feather duster, there's a clock, there's Lumiere, that is the candlestick. Um, and all of these people then that worked for Beast and in the castle then turned into objects with him. Um, but at the end of the day, it really did help him that they were turned into objects because they could all work together in solving um, all of this and actually helping him to get... Um, to a point where he loves someone more than he would love himself. There's a certain poetry in the servants being turned into objects as well, and that I think that the servants learn a lesson in not to treat themselves as mere objects and not to treat themselves as having one function in the castle. Lumiere, his purpose in the castle is not merely to serve, but also to be a fully functioning human being. With Mrs. Potts as well, I think Mrs. Potts, falls into this trap of servitude but she discovers through being an object that she's far more than that that she has a human soul and that she is a nurturing motherly figure and more than just a servant within the castle so now beast is a beast he's not a human anymore what can he do to change that back so in order to break the spell, the enchantress told him that he has to love someone in return. Mm. Um, so be- before he, the cast was spell, the cast was um, the spell was cast on B. Sorry, um, he was very arrogant. He was pompous. He didn't. He really didn't love. Um, he wasn't empathetic, empathetic to anyone. Um, so the lesson that he had to learn was actually to love someone more than he would love himself, and, um, to, be and to be loved in return. So the only way that this spell could be broken is if Bell then loved him in return. Mm. So the moment she said, I love you, that's when the spell was broken. Was there any rush to, would anything worse happen if he didn't love someone? So he would essentially then be a beast for eternity. Yeah. He would never be able to go back to being a human. And the same with all the objects. They would then just freeze and um, Mrs. Potts would not even be able to speak anymore. She would just be a teapot. Um, same with all the other objects in the castle as well. So the, the ultimate punishment would be then that they could not return back to humanity. And that is not a very yeah. happy thing. It's Definitely not. not. No. You don't want to be an object, a house object for your whole life. Exactly, exactly. Even for part of your life. (laughs) Is the story in the play, Beauty and the Beast, at the People's Theatre, is it the same story as the original story of Beauty and the Beast, or is it changed a bit? I think it's very, very, it's the same. You have, um, like she was saying, they only have a limited amount of time until, and we see because now the the rose that was given by the enchantress, which gives them like a limited time, is almost finished. The petals are almost gone. And so everything just falls into place at the right time. You have this beautiful girl that walks into the palace looking for dad and 
I mean, they're running out of time. The, they are left with a few petals, and everything just happens at the right time, if I can say so that So if all way. the petals fall off the rose, then it's frozen. done. Yeah, forever. There's no, ex- there's no chance. Yeah. That is scary. Very, very frightening, yeah. And is the play a musical? It's a musical. <laughs> we all get to sing, and we get, all get to have fun. Well, it's acting, singing, and dancing. You literally have to be a triple threat. Wow. So you need yeah. to be able to act, sing, and dance yep. if you want to be in a play. Mm-hmm. That's difficult. No, it's, it's, well, we all have training, I guess. And it's nice that we have also like children that are doing this with us that also get to learn in the process while we, you know, while we are all forming this world together, this magical place. So what do the children act as in the play? What are the children roles? They are part of the community. They are the silly girls and the, uh, some of them are service in the palace. Yeah, they just form. The rest of the story, if I can say it that way. And if I remember correctly, Mrs. Potts also has a son. That is a Tika. Yes. Yes. And his name is Chip. And I love him very much. Because <laughs> you're very nurturing. Teapot. <laughs> Sorry. Can you sing us a song from Beauty and the Beast? Sure. Mm-hmm. Of course. What, what, what song would you like to sing? Um, we'll, What's we'll, your favorite song, Belle? My favorite song would be... Um, there's something sweet. Uh, there's something there. That's what it's called. But the first lyrics are, there's something sweet. There's something sweet and almost kind. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. But now he's dear and so unsure. I wonder why I didn't see you there before. Ooh, I like that song as well. (laughs) I love it. So how long do you need to rehearse for this play? Because from what I understand, it's on for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, we went through a three-week rehearsal, which is fairly standard for a musical of the scale. Um, it does vary depending on the type of play that you're doing, but the three weeks, I think, suited us perfectly. Your final week is a tech week, so we make sure that the mics are balanced properly, make sure that all the costumes are fitting properly, um, make sure that all of the props uh, aren't disintegrating while you're using them on stage because um, you don't want that to happen with your first set of preview audiences. So the last week is essentially once the play is completed, it's just sorting out all the technicalities, but it's essentially a three-week process. So you have three. So you have basically three weeks of rehearsals, and you rehearse every single day. Yes. Mm. Yes, every single day. No rest for the wicked. No. <laughs> so do the the kids also have to come every day? After school, of course. After they school. have to go to school first. And if let's say Belle is, from what I understand, one of the main parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she would definitely have to come to all the rehearsals. But with the small parts like. The children in the village also have to come to all the rehearsals. They have to come to all the rehearsals, like all of us uh, have to be there. But just because I'm the main part doesn't mean that I'm always, always on stage. I mean, there are parts in the show that I'm not really on stage, you know, so I get to sit down and get to actually watch the show, which is kind Mm -hmm. of beautiful. But essentially, we all have to be in the theater space. Mm -hmm. We look at it almost as if you're looking at a car. So say, for instance, there's a bolt missing in a car. It means that essentially the car would then fall apart, right? So there's a small little piece missing in the car, um, but that influences everything else. So that's how we see um, rehearsals and 
the unity of a show is that there's no real small parts Mm-mm. because they're just as important. So if if something is missing in your car, you really do need it for the whole car to function. Um, so there's no small roles. Um, if you were a villager or if you bell, I think it's as important as the next role um, just for it to work as a unity as well. There's also a major difference between theatre and film in that if you get a small part in a film, when you're not on camera, you are in the actor's lounge or at the craft table snacking or having a nap. Whereas if you have a smaller role in theatre, you're probably backstage helping to fly things in and out. You're probably helping other actors change. You're probably fixing props. You always have a role when it comes to theatre. Even if you only have one line in the play, you've probably got a heck of a lot to do when you're backstage. So um, just because someone isn't on stage doesn't mean they aren't working like crazy. Everyone is a big part of the play, and without that part, the play would fall apart, like a a car. Definitely, exactly. So, do you have to often change costumes? Do you have to change costumes a lot? I'm so happy I don't have a single change in the show. It's wonderful. (laughs) We've just come out of a a, a show before this in which I had 14 costume changes. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So, this is bliss for me. How long did you have to change the costumes? I think quickest change was seven seconds in, seven the, in the past seconds. show. Um, and I mean, I'm sure my colleagues will agree, we've had some crazy costume changes in theatre. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that takes a lot of preparation. We have to have everything ready by the time that you run off. There's someone putting the top half on, someone putting the, the bottom half on. It's really, it works like a machine. So we have to be on it the whole time. So as Travis said earlier, you would definitely, if you're not working on stage, you're working off stage, helping yeah. someone out as well. So let's say, what if you have a shirt with buttons? Buttons take quite a while to undo. No. Oh, we've got so many tricks. So yeah. def- we, I'll give one away. We don't use buttons. We just put the buttons on top, but we have Velcro at the bottom of it. Well, that's so we can quickly r- rip them off. And the same with, with most of the other um, things that we wear as well. Everything is not as it seems. <laughs> Definitely not. Seems. Mm, good pun. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a quick break with the song, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. Let's carry on with the questions. What is opening night? Opening night is the first day that we do the show that is open to people. But actually we have, we allow the audience to come and watch us, which is called like, you know, the preview shows, which we usually have like five days before. The opening night, where the opening night we basically in- invite like radio people, family, and it's just like a big hoo ha. The show, yeah. Is it more nerve wracking to act on opening night than other shows? I don't think so. Not for me. I don't. But people are different. Actors are different. Some people, they are very nervous. If I'm nervous, then I forget everything. So I always make sure that I'm really, really calm. So I can't have nerves at all. Yeah. What do you think, Mrs. Potts and Gaston? Well, I think um, we treat we try to treat the whole run the same. So every show is as important as the rest. Um, doesn't matter if we have three people in the audience or if we have three thousand people in the audience. We try to get to a point where we treat every show as the, the the same as the other one. Although I must say that the opening night does have a certain magic around it because you're actually breaking the show into the public eye and it's the first time that it appears to public audiences as well so there is a certain magic when it comes to opening nights um but i would say that we try to have that same feeling throughout the run as much as we can 
I'll say there's slightly more pressure with an opening night because I think that it's your most unforgiving audience. Um, people that come to an, to an opening night have that sort of vibe and that magic that Alida's talking about. And they will not be as lenient on you if there's a wardrobe malfunction or if a prop fails or if the wrong song plays. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas audiences that come to previews expect little things to go be wrong. at fault with the show. It's Which is part of the magic of live theater. Things do go wrong. Um, and the actors are humans and they may forget lines, they may miss steps. And that's part of the magic of live theater. It's exciting to see humans telling a story to one another and sometimes there's going to be a slight fault in that. And it's it's nice to see that all of you have different opinions. It's very interesting to see how people think differently mm. and how they experience things differently. It really depends on your experience, how yeah. you're going to feel on that about that. So what would you do if you forgot your lines? You did you literally just did not remember your lines and you didn't know, you just couldn't think of them. Well, Sometimes they'd really just, there's just, it's just blank upstairs. I don't know if you've ever had an exam where you just, there was nothing. Your whole, everything just shut off. Um, and uh, most of us were taught to actually just review where you are in the story. Um, that'll kind of bring you back again. So if you just look around you, take a deep breath, you can see, oh, we're in this scene now. You know where the story should go. So if you have a good concept of where the story would go, we try and just get our way back into the lines, even th- if that means a little bit of ad-libbing, so you're just making something up quickly in order to get back to the story, um, you can do that, or you just take a deep breath and then the lines come back to you um, as soon as, mm. as they want to. And sometimes the people that are with you on stage, they also know where you're supposed to yes. be. So they'll say the line that will help you or that will move the story along, and then you will get back where you need, so- where you need to be. So that's very helpful. And I think all actors should get credits on scripts as co-writers because at some stage we've <laughs> changed some of the dialogue. <laughs> and at some stage we've forgotten a line and mm-hmm. we've created something entirely new, but the show will go on. Yep. I think it's it's more interesting when that happens because if you're doing the exact same show every single night and nothing new happens, it can get a little bit boring, I think. If you're doing a show for like two months, the exact same thing and nothing exciting happens starts to get a bit boring. You make it interesting for yourself, if I can Mm. say that. You you just like, as you're performing, you find something new every single day. You need to think quickly. Yeah, and how people Mm. speak to you or how they're feeling as well can also influence the show, which gives it like a different kind of vibe. And also the audience, how they respond to it as well, gives you like a different energy. So I can't say that you will ever find yourself being like, I'm bored of the show. It's just that there's always new things that will happen Mm. on stage which is very interesting. I love it. And as an actor, not having dialogue is having dialogue. It's just there are so many things that your character would say but chooses not to say it. And that's what I find most interesting on stage is thinking, what is my character saying to himself at this moment, even though he's keeping quiet? And why is he choosing to keep quiet at this point? Why is he not interrupting Belle? Why is he not attacking the beast at this moment? What is stopping him from doing that? And is something different going through my head during every show? And I think that's what keeps me personally entertained while performing a two-hour production. If you get bored, then you'll start acting not as well. Am I right? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think that there, we have a, that you have a certain level of respect for the work that you're doing as well. So we don't really get bored because you know that whoever's coming to watch the show, it's their first time watching the show. So you do treat it with that same respect you would have for an opening night because you know that it's the first time that this audience is watching this. So you are telling the story right from the beginning again. So every morning that we come in, it's like the first time that we're doing it. Um, and that helps with with not being getting bored at all yeah, throughout the run. Also, it's like a table, you know, you need all legs. Like as the performers on stage, you can't be just that performer who's sitting in the corner being like, you know, I'm going to be thinking about my own thing. No, we're here, we're making, this is a magical place. And we all understand that, that, you know, that the audience, they deserve a good show. Mm. You're bringing a story to life. Yeah, definitely. It can be so much, sometimes it can be very interesting to read the book and then actually see it happening yeah it's it's very different and it's very interesting isn't it wonderful how you imagine something different when you read the book and then when you're watching something you're like oh is that what the character actually looks like or yeah, exactly. if they make a, a motion picture out of something it's it's completely different i think that's the beauty of our imaginations is we can actually create whatever we want with our imaginations as well that's why sometimes you need to read the book before you watch the movie otherwise all your imagination just gets sucked up because <laughs> you've already watched the movie so you know what the characters look like so you don't really have any space for imagination. Yeah, well, whichever way works the best for you. Um, I, I would agree that reading a book first does give you a, a, like a bigger scope of imagination because you don't have anything to work off of, um, but it's completely different art forms. So I respect a book as much as I would the movie because um, they had to rewrite a script in order to make um, a movie from it. So, you know, you, you can just treat it as a different art form telling that same story as well. There's some movies that are like literally completely different stories. It's almost as if the, the author had written another book for the movie. Hmm. They're just like completely different. Yeah, and that's that's why they call it a screenplay. So they're taking that script that you had, say, for instance, for the novel, and they change it into dialogue in order for um, actors to play that part as well. And what would you do if you, you knew your lines, but someone else messed up their lines and it affected you? So now you're a bit stuck. What would you do? Um, you can either maybe, if it doesn't happen again, you move on. But usually when it happens in that moment this show must carry on. You're not going to stop and be like, dude, like, what are you doing? You know, you're just going to carry on. Uh, but if it keeps on happening, I find it it's helpful to just like speak or just ask that you can go over the lines together separately before you do the show. So that, I mean, you want all the lines because all the lines are important. You don't want one line to be omitted just because someone is has forgotten it. So I find it it's better that let's work on it separately or just remind them Oh yeah, if it but it, if it happens in that moment, carry on. The show must go on. The show must go on. Yep, definitely. So, what is an understudy? What if? Yeah, what is an understudy? <laughs> we are human beings as actors, and sometimes we break and we get sick, and we are unable to go on stage. And when that occurs, our understudy will step in. So, an understudy is usually someone who plays another role in the production. Um, but they then learn your role as well um, so that if there is an emergency, they're able to step in and they're able to take your part and 
to allow the show to go on. Um, occasionally, that's not due to emergency. Occasionally, it's just due to the fact that a lead needs a day off because it's very strenuous work what we do. Sometimes a lead does need to take a day off, in which case an understudy will step in. Um, and in some productions, you don't get understudies. In some productions, if you are sick, suck it up, buttercup, get on stage. <laughs> wow, that's hectic. Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened to you that you're sick and you just you have to go to a performance? Countless times, actually. Yeah. All the time. It's the work. Well, I hope you didn't have laryngitis because then you wouldn't be able to speak. Oh. <laughs> you will sing we, through we your have, laryngitis. We have ways. We have ways to get around yeah. it. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> I've driven from ICU to a film set and yep. you got to do your job. You have like That's a it. medical station on the, uh, like on the wings waiting for you when you get out. <laughs> Take your cough mixture, get back on stage mm. and be perfect. Be great. You have to be great. Yeah. As someone mentioned earlier, it's the first. The, it's the audience's first time watching the play. If you mess up and you don't act well, then they're not going to enjoy that play. Yeah. But I find that if a person hasn't seen the show before and maybe you're a little bit sick, it's a different show altogether for them. So it's still going to be a magical show because you're seeing it for the first time. It will be a good show. It's still an experience. Yeah. It's still an experience. Yeah. And it adds a layer of character. Yeah. Perhaps Belle has a cold. <laughs> Perhaps Mrs. Potts is a bit fluey. Today, it's okay. Yeah. A bit Perhaps nasal. <laughs> Perhaps Gaston has something wrong with his leg, so he can't hunt as well. Perhaps Gaston has gastric. Uh, uh-huh. Gastro. Yeah, I can be punny. <laughs> Does every single actor have an understudy? No, no. Mostly the leads usually have understudies because they have an extensive amount of work, the dialogue, the singing, so it can be. And if they are removed from the show, it is very, it's too obvious. You can't have Beauty and the Beast without Beauty. Whereas if one of the villagers, who is just sort of in the background, yeah. goes off, it wouldn't be as noticeable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the show isn't exactly the same without them but it's not as noticeable as if a lead is taken out. If a lead is taken out, there's no story. There's no story at all. It doesn't make sense. So there's another interesting role in theatre called a swing, and a swing is an incredibly difficult role to take on in theatre because it means that you have to learn every major part in the play, and if anyone in the play drops out, you are going to take their role. Swinging is incredibly difficult and should be majorly respected sometimes swings never get to go on stage for their production but they are the safety net if anyone cannot take to the stage that night the swing needs to be prepared to step in and that is a very difficult role that sounds very difficult to learn like four people four different people's lines who are all completely different characters must be very hard to do Mm -hmm. and songs and choreography and what they're doing backstage it's all covered Wow, that is really hard. I don't mm. know if I would be able to do that. I mean, I won't be able to do that. I won't be able to do that. <laughs> what do you think is the most important lesson you have learned so far through acting, through plays, through productions? Shoo. Um, I think something that I always hold on to is it's that the story is the most important part in all of it. And I think that's the most important 
that's the be- biggest lesson that I keep with me the whole time is no matter how difficult something is or how challenging a role could be, that the story, telling the story is the most important part of my job. Um, and there should be nothing standing in the way of that. Um, and that then spills into technique. That spills into how you work with other actors, how you work with people backstage. All of that kind of brings itself in this tight little box that I say the story is the most important part of it. Because even as an audience coming in, I want to tell stories. And at the end of the day, we are storytellers. So I think for me, the best, the biggest lesson that I keep holding on to and something that motivates me over and over again is that I want to tell a story and that the story should come to life every time. That's a beautiful lesson. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Absolutely agree with Mrs. Potts. I really, really do. The story is very important. But for me, starting in theater, I think one thing that I really learned for myself was just getting confidence because, you know, I used to be very shy and very withdrawn. And then I started theater and it really helped me to really get out of my, you know, my shy self. And I see the kids that we work with today and I'm like, I'm really happy that you guys are getting this at such a tender age. It's lovely. So I take it with me everywhere and I try to also give it to the communities that I live in that Theatre is very important. If you haven't enrolled your kid into theatre, you should really try it because it's really good for their confidence. It's really good for them. And speaking, they become very fluent speakers. And that's what I love about theatre. And that's what I've learned from it. If I can follow on from that, the one thing that I've taken from my experience with performance is that we are all actors, Um, people that are non-professionals. We get paid to to perform on a stage, but even people that um, are working jobs that they don't consider theatre-based or theatrical or any artistically uh, or in any artistic field, they are actors. You perform in your everyday speech. You perform in your everyday behaviour. And acting has taught me to become very aware of when I'm performing and when I'm not being true to myself and who that true self is. You need to be very aware of what is my intention through what I'm saying? Am I changing my behavior? Am I changing my personality in order to manipulate someone? Because that's what actors get paid to do. We change our behaviors, we change our personalities, we change our voices, and we manipulate an audience. And we do that in everyday life. And I think that it's very important for people to realize when they are doing that and when they when that is appropriate to be done and when not. There are definitely very important lessons to be learned through acting. Can you tell us what theatre you'll be acting in and where you can get tickets? Sure. It, this will be at the People's Theatre. Um, so that is um, right next to the Civic Theatre, the Joburg Theatre. Um, and at the Tickets are 135 rand per ticket. Also, you can join our kids club. um, So you can ask your moms to just join um, the kids club and that will then um, give you cheaper tickets. It'll also mean that we can sing for you on your birthday. You get a lovely present and we bring you on stage for that as well. Um, So that is the kids club. But if you're just coming to watch the show, it's 135 rand. And we have a 10.30 and a 2.30 show um, right throughout the week. Uh, The 10.30 and the 2.30 are all weekends and public holidays and during the week it's nine o'clock and eleven o'clock shows to inquire about tickets you can email info at peoplestheatre.co.za otherwise you can check out our website which is peoplestheatre.co.za yeah i definitely want to go and see beauty and the beast at the people's theater and i really think you kids should do
Thank you so much to my guests for coming in studio and teaching us, telling us more about Beauty and the Beast. It sounds like a wonderful, wonderful play. Thank you to my producer Mandy and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Kids show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Kids for Kids, Bar Kids.